Hello everyone, I'm Blake Farha. And I'm Jasmine. And this is See You in Sleep County, a podcast to help you rest, relax, and lull you into a state of sweet slumber so that you can wake up tomorrow feeling excited and rested. We'll be reading stories written by Jazz Meyer, and these stories are very special because they're taken directly from journals that she's written throughout her entire life and crafted in a way to be sweet, soft tales to help you drift into sweet, soft sleep. And we're very excited to bring these stories to you. Um, how are you feeling today, Jazz? How's it going? Mm, I'm good. I'm very, very sleepy today, so it's mm-hmm. a good time to be recording this podcast, actually. <laughs> any, any particular reason you're so sleepy? Um, I've just fallen into the habit of going to bed much later than my bedtime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I noticed that if I... It's funny, throughout, throughout my life, I have like a very hard limit of, of when I can safely go to bed, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I have to go to sleep before midnight. I'm like Cinderella, I think, if I don't go to bed before midnight, I turn into a wretch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't seem to matter how long I sleep. It just matters by, by which time I go to sleep. So I've been breaking the Cinderella rule recently and am living with the consequences. Yes, it's so important to develop good good habits and good routine. They say that sleep is something that you should really try to um, keep in a very structured manner in order to help your body create a rhythm that makes sense. So it's important to try to sleep at the same time every day and important to try to wake up at the same time every day, which is not always easy, which is why there are podcasts like this, to help people ease into that routine. Um, mm. We were talking earlier, Jazz, about the dance of life and being on the dance floor of life and learning when to take a break and learning when to dance harder and learning when to be excited by the change in the rhythm of the song as opposed to unnerved by it Mm. and the joy of dancing for dancing's sake it not being important what other people think of your dance moves just that you really like your dance moves and that you're enjoying enjoying the way they feel Mm. and although it has absolutely nothing to do with that it made me want to ask you the question, Chaz, what do you feel when you write? Hmm. That is a very nice question. Um, I really, I mean, it depends. Sometimes I feel a little stuck, of course, but there are often moments where I get into flow state, and this is such a beautiful state to be in, where it feels like, mm. like I'm channeling the universe. so to speak (laughs) yeah it just feels like everything is coming through me organically um, and naturally like writing is the most natural thing in the world to do it's very soothing uh, yeah soothing and at the same time inspiring process I really enjoy it does it make you feel happy or do you feel strengthened by it do you feel empowered hmm yes all of the above. <laughs> All of yeah. the above. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, I think, um, especially if I'm writing something that I find to be like emotionally meaningful or something that particularly touches me. Yeah, it's it's almost like I think in some ways it's it's when I feel most alive. 
Which is maybe ironic because it's it's just putting words on a page, but I think because I spent so much of my childhood with my face buried in a book, I really learned to fall in love with, with words and with the characters in the books that I was reading. And there's something about having the potential to give someone else that experience that I find incredibly enlivening. Mm. And uh, what were you feeling when you wrote tonight's story? Hmm. Tonight's story is an interesting one. There's a lot of love in it, actually. It's um, yeah, it features two of my my favorite people in the whole world: my partner Nuna and one of my best friends Tal. So there was a lot of love and fondness um, that was coming through in tonight's story. Were you able to sort of channel that love that you were writing about? Were you able to sort of feel it as you were writing about it? Yeah, I think so. Especially when I was describing each of them or interactions with each of them, there was a lot of a lot of love in me when I was writing mm. it, and I hope that comes through in the story. I'm certain it will. You're such a fabulous writer. Um, oh, can you tell you. us a little bit more um, about what we'll be delving into with this story about these beloved people in your life? Mm-hmm. The story is written about a time, um, I guess a little less than a year ago now. It was at the very beginning of my relationship with my partner, Nuna. So this was, this was one day in the midst of this incredible week that we spent together, just really getting to know each other better. Um, and it was spent in a, a very particular setting. It's, um, a day in a rainbow gathering and Blake I know you know a little bit about rainbow gatherings but for those of you who don't it's um it's a sort of month-long temporary gathering temporary village and they spring up all over the world in different places and it seems like at any given moment there's a rainbow gathering happening somewhere um yeah it's a very very special environment there's there's nothing else quite like it so this is a day that Nuno and I spent in a rainbow gathering uh, on a quest to find my friend Tal. Oh, that sounds very exciting. Mm. And does your story have a title this evening, Jazz? <laughs> yes, it's apt- aptly named The Rainbow Quest, which sounds a little bit like a hippie video game, but it's not. That's a video game I most definitely would like to play. <laughs> so, I really hope you enjoy this wonderful story about a beautiful day spent in a rainbow gathering somewhere in Portugal with my beloved friend Tal and my wonderful partner Nuno. With that, I'll hand you over to Blake to read you tonight's bedtime story, and I'll see you in Sleep County. Thank you so much, Jazz. Now, as we prepare for tonight's story, Gently close your eyes and snuggle into bed. Allow yourself to find the position that feels just right. And when you've found that perfect spot, nestled among the covers, nice, slow, deep breath, letting the worries of the day drift away as you exhale. Imagine the air falling into your belly and chest as you breathe in effortlessly. And as you breathe out, 
Imagine the breath simply falling out of you again. Let's do that one more time. Nice deep breath in. And a nice effortless breath out. Take a moment to feel the bed beneath you, gently supporting all the curves of your body. Release any tension you might be feeling, starting with the muscles in your face. One by one, allow them to go slack. Let the muscles in your arms, shoulders, and chest relax. Move your attention to your belly, your lower back, and let them sink into the mattress. Release any tightness in your thighs, your knees, your calves, and your feet. Now enjoy for a moment the feeling of total relaxation your body totally at ease. And now, for tonight's story. The Rainbow Quest by Jazz Meyer. There was no phone signal at the Rainbow Gathering, which was perfectly complementary to the simplistic grassroots atmosphere that pervaded this temporary village. Birthed decades before, the concept was simple, to create a month-long settlement in nature for whoever felt the call to join in and live there between one full moon and another. It operated organically, though not always efficiently, but that didn't really seem to matter. It chugged along at its own pace, and what needed to be done was done eventually. In the meantime, there was nothing to do but smile, laugh, and join an impromptu drum circle every now and then. It was my third rainbow gathering, and I was eager to share the experience with Nuno, my beloved. We were in the first fresh months of our relationship, where everything was new and rose-colored, our words dripping with honey sweetness, our gaze full of love and longing. It was a perfect state to be in for a gathering such as this. The question of phone signal was one of connection rather than distraction. Tal, one of my dearest friends was here too, lost somewhere amid the throng of hippies inhabiting the lush riverside settlement that had sprung up here a week or two earlier. I wanted to find her, knowing it might be the last chance we'd meet in a while, but without technology to aid me, I would need to depend on a good old-fashioned quest. We had only one day in which to meet, our plans overlapping by just a fraction of time. Hand in hand, 
Nuno and I strolled through the gathering, taking in the beautiful surroundings. He knew this place already, a favorite spot of his for many years. He wanted to show me something, he said, and led me conspiratorially upstream toward the long and winding banks of the river. We would search passively for Tal along the way, trusting that our paths would meet when the time was right. Barefoot and happy, I followed his lead, the soles of my feet absorbing the softness of the grass, the warmth of the earth. As we walked, we passed tents and hammocks, scattered crookedly among the thin strip of land separating the river from a thick band of forest. Neighbors greeted us as we ambled by, a wave of toothy smiles and dreadlocks, bare feet and trinkets. The river, cool and clear, burbled its way downstream and soon we approached it, the path ahead stretching to the other side of the water. With pants hitched up and arms stretched out, we balanced our way over a rickety crossing of stepping stones and precariously balanced planks of wood, giggling as we did our best not to slip in. With a little leap of joy, I made it to the opposite bank. More smiles exchanged with the hippies that passed by to try their luck on the tightrope river crossing. Above us, the sun smiled down. The blue sky and pale clouds hovered overhead. We were surrounded by the cool freshness of the stream, of the lush trees that lined it, of the shady embrace of their branches. And I watched, entranced, as a pair of butterflies danced by, whirling around each other with reckless grace. Nuno was saying something, speaking in his lilting, playful tone, laughing lightheartedly at his own jokes, and I laughed along with him, letting the joy roll out of me. It was an easy moment, our comfort mixing with that nervous excitement that accompanies a pure new connection. His hand wrapped around mine, warming it as the sun warmed my shoulders, and we strolled onward to his secret spot. Dodging more colored tents and handcrafted camps, we approached a rocky rise, climbing up and over the boulders that transformed the landscape. Until now, it had been all earthen ground and grassy meadows, but here the riverbank turned to stone, like a giant slumbering by the cool waters of the stream. We climbed on, our bodies solving the soft puzzles presented to us by the odd shapes of the terrain, and soon we approached it. Far upstream from where we had started, Nuno directed us over the lip of a steep ledge and down to the cool banks of the river. In a little alcove formed by the rocks, a calm and tranquil space lay protected on all sides from prying eyes. A young tree leaned charmingly toward the water, its roots folding into and over the soft, silty earth by the water's edge. 
The two of us stared momentarily, awed by the pristine beauty of the place. The glassy, shimmering water gliding by, the bright green fingers of the tree hanging lazily above our heads, the rock wall behind us glowing white and warm in the sun. We stayed there a while, me taking a dip in the cool water, while Nuno sat under the tree and watched. And then, after one last look at that beautiful secret spot, we climbed back up and over the cliff, leaving that little alcove behind. Our quest revived, we scrambled along the rocks, back toward the narrow earthen path and beyond. Tal was hiding here somewhere, and there was a rare excitement to our mission that imbued it with a sense of mischief and magic. It was a feeling I had felt rarely since childhood, since technology had become a ubiquitous feature in our lives. Now, wandering along an unknown path, I willed the universe to deliver us, my friend. The path widened now, stretching toward a low rise in the earth, and atop this little hill we were greeted by the image of a sprawling camp below. Here, a haphazard settlement had sprung up, comprised of dozens of camper vans and tents. Many were decked out in full hippie regalia, each one looking as if it had driven straight from a 60s love-in to this very gathering, which wasn't much different. As we wandered through, we caught wafts of incense floating by on the wind, mingling with the soft strumming of someone's guitar. As we rounded a corner, we unexpectedly came across a donkey grazing in the long grass of the field, a couple of playful dogs tussling nearby. We stopped to watch for a while, the absurdity of the scene momentarily shaking us from our quest. But soon the mission beckoned again, and we bid the donkey farewell leaving him in the hands of his two distracted guardians. There was no aim to our wanderings, except the hope of stumbling across Tal in the midst of it all. And as we walked, my eyes darted across the faces of the people we passed, looking for some semblance of familiarity. But the more I looked, the further it seemed we were getting from finding her. After circling the campsite one more time, our mission remained fruitless. We stopped to decide our next move, sandwiched between a forest green camper van and a cluster of tents. And as we walked, I noticed a pair of young men sitting peacefully under a tarp nearby, watching us thoughtfully. I'm not sure what compelled me to do it, perhaps the familial feel of the whole place, or the last hope of a dying quest. But I turned then and asked if they happened to know a girl named Tao. And of course, with a mischievous smile from the universe, the answer was delivered to me in the form of this stranger, who pointed us in the right direction. 
Up the hill, near the forest, he said. She's with some others in Ingrid's van. We didn't know an Ingrid, but it didn't matter. We had the next clue, and we trusted now, more than ever, that we were on the right path. Following our new instructions, we wound our way through the cup and up the hill, finding ourselves on a quiet ridge overlooking the campsite. We were far removed from the gathering now, in a separate little settlement comprised of four or five vans. These were the people who wanted a little more privacy, usually those who intended to stay longer, making the gathering their home for a while. We wandered around, not knowing where to look first, but sensing we were close. A curly-haired woman lay sunbathing outside one of the vans, her belly bared to the sky, her head rolled back and eyes closed. I almost didn't want to disturb her, but we were too close to give up now, and she was the only person in sight. As gently as I could, I roused her, asking if she knew of an Ingrid and where we might find her van. Ingrid, she said dazedly, her eyes adjusting to the brightness of the day. Oh, yeah, she's over there. And she gestured toward the last van in the row, set a little separate from the rest. I thanked her, and Nuno and I set off eagerly, hoping for the stars to finally align. There, on a little landing, nestled among the eucalyptus and rock rows, stood a hulking white van. It looked deserted, but as we approached, we heard voices, and, turning the corner, was a group of my friends, Tao among them. There was a flurry of cries and embraces, the serendipitous surprise of our meeting adding to the joy of our reunion. Tao, my little pixie friend, was aglow with sunshine smiles. Her long, flowing hair streamed over her shoulders. Her eyes, deep brown, peered out with a smoldering laughter. And we hugged each other tightly with incredulous gratitude. We'd found each other, against all odds, the universe bringing us together with a breadcrumb trail of rainbow clues. We were ecstatic. I watched, too, as Nuno greeted the others, hugging strangers with an easiness usually reserved for close friends. There was a familiar closeness here, the welcoming atmosphere putting us at ease, and we settled ourselves into the group with a wistful kind of release. We sat, chatting, picking up their stories of forest wanderings and midnight adventures where they left off when we arrived. Around the group, friends, acquaintances, and strangers seemed to merge together. It was as though we'd always been sitting here talking about the nothings and the everythings of life. Soon, the conversation took a turn, and someone suggested a rapé ceremony. I'd heard much of this ritual powder, 
a kind of snuff made from a mixture of tobacco and ashes, though I'd never partaken in any myself. But as the idea gained traction, it became clear that I was about to witness such a ceremony, and I observed with a solemn curiosity as the powder was produced. I watched as, one by one, my friends knelt to receive the rapé powder from Alex, a gentle soul with a loving smile and a capacity for wisdom I had seldom seen in someone my age. Eyes closed and entranced, each of them waited and breathed as he performed his simple ceremony. A cleansing of the air, a softly muttered incantation, a rattling of seed pods, and then, with his forehead pressed to theirs, he used a little bamboo pipe to blow a tiny portion of the powder into one nostril and then the other. I watched, fascinated at this beautiful ritual, each person remaining in a trance, meditating on their individual experience, an experience unknown to me. I'd already turned down a place in the ritual, but now, as the last of my friends received the powder, Alex's eyes met mine, and I nodded in acquiescence. I kneeled, open to whatever might come, and as I closed my eyes and succumbed to the moment, I felt my body relax into what was to come. With the wafting scent of burning sage floating around me, I heard that now familiar voice murmuring softly in words I didn't recognize, the clacking rattle of seeds in my ears, and then the warmth of Alex's forehead on mine and the unfamiliar feeling of the bamboo pipe. And then, in a sudden moment, the strong sensation of heat in one nostril, then the other to match it. I sat, not breathing, just waiting in stillness as this acute attention spread from my nose to the rest of my being, bringing me into this vacuous presence of body and mind. There were no thoughts, simply the immediacy of feeling myself. It seemed I sat like this for a long time, peacefully unaware of what was happening around me, until I began to breathe again, softly, slowly, through my mouth. The initial intensity began to wane, replaced by another wave of sensation. A gentle light-headedness had come upon me, filling me with the blissful purity of a calm and tranquil mind. I felt my body leaning forward, my head yearning for the grounding of the earth, the calm quiet that I knew I would find there. And I lay, my body curled gently like a kitten, the soft afternoon sun warming my skin, the vestiges of the rapé fading slowly, my eyes still closed. I felt soft, warm hands wrap around me. Nuno, joining me in a gentle reverie and the afternoon floating on with the calm tranquility bestowed upon us through that unexpected ceremony.
That was The Rainbow Quest, written by Jazz Meyer. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you're still awake, I hope you're feeling rested, calm, and ready for some peaceful and much-deserved slumber. It's been a tremendous pleasure to read for you this evening, and I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight for this beautiful story. If you enjoyed tonight's story, there will be so many more to come, and I look forward to reading them all to you. Thank you once again for letting me be your tour guide into Sleep County. I'm Blake Farha, and I want to wish you a good night, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in Sleep County. <laughs>